WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 159, all about the Silmarillion, chapter 19 of Baron and Luthien, being the 159th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time, and right now I am reading The Silmarillion, so you don't have to. Today I am joined by the wonderful, magnificent Don Marshall, aka Don Marshall72, on TikTok. Welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. It is so good to be back. I'm sorry if your listeners are sick of me. I realize this is the third time on this podcast, but I will just preface it by saying I did beg you to come back on for the Baron and Luthien chapter. So, yeah. Yeah, I think think the Tolkien community would have shunned me if I didn't let you have a pick of <laughs> Silmarillion chapters. So, this, uh, this is my comfort podcast to listen to, so it is a pleasure to be able to just be within its presence. And can oh, I? Man. may I just say, in listening to you go through the Silmarillion, I cannot tell you how jealous I am of you for having both a support system and a series of other people who can explain chapters right? while you yeah. read it. Whereas most of us had to go through the Silmarillion like, what the heck is a Finrod? Yeah. <laughs> is it the same as a Fingon? Is that the Walmart version? Like, <laughs> some, of the, um, some of the elves are Walmart versions of the other elves, let's be honest. I mean, like, I truthfully did not get through, what's the first section called? Ina Lindelay. Ina Lundele, yes. Yeah, that. Um, I did not get through that without one of your videos or, or talkthroughs oh. or, or your resources. So I had to turn to you to be like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> uh, if you go to youtube.com slash donmarshall72, you can follow my read along and explanation for Silmarillion Sunday. It's yep. great to, you know what, go watch Silmarillion Sunday and then listen to this podcast chapter by chapter. It's a great way to spend two hours, I think. Yes, so much Silmarillion overload, oh. which is saying a lot because the Silmarillion is <laughs> is an overload in itself. Overload, <laughs> yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. What have you What have you been up to, Don, since the last time you came on, which I believe was for oh the, god I, the exact opposite of the Silmarillion, <laughs> which was for. The Hobbit. the Hobbit movies. The last part of the Hobbit movies where I, and I very distinctly remember this, I basically said that the way to fix the Hobbit movies was to make it the Princess Bride. And that's the only part I remember, is you just have to have Bilbo just explaining the story like a storybook to a young Frodo or maybe yes. the little kids at the party. And it basically becomes the Princess Bride in Middle Earth. And wouldn't that fix so much of those wonderfully problematic movies. It really, really would. And I was like convinced all the way up until like the until the end of the last credits that like we were going to get some scene of Bilbo reading, telling this story to like a baby Frodo or something. Like I, I was like, that's how it's going to end or nope. something. And nope. Um, but yeah, I feel like we've we've both been through a lot <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> Things have happened. <laughs> Countries have uh, reverted back to the 1800s. Uh, the TV show still hasn't come out uh, by the time we're recording this, so I'm only hoping that by the time it's released, uh, the backlash 
for whatever latest controversy in America has blown over um, anybody want to move to New Zealand? Anyway, sorry, this is about the Silmarillion, not my existential <laughs> crisis. Let's I carry know, on. right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> also, speaking of the show, we're getting, we're getting very close to it, and a lot of people have been like, oh no, you have to keep going with the Silmarillion. It is essential to understanding the show. No. And I'm like, I, I doubt that, but no. okay. And also, we have no more room for two-parter episodes. We have no more room for for me taking a week off because I don't like the Silmarillion. That's fair. Um, so this is probably going to be an extra long episode um, because we are just going to finish the chapters. And then as soon as, what is it? It's like chapter 22, I think is the last numbered chapter. Um, yeah. And then it goes into like the Akalabeth and the Rings of Power yeah. and all of that. So yeah. we will not get into those two sections before the show starts, which I understand the irony. Um, <laughs> don't worry about it. We'll just all be surprised. And then I'll read the Rings of Power section and go, oh, Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, that's probably a good thing that you're doing this. I have for a very long time now uh, advocated uh, because people have asked me, you know, what should I read to prepare for this TV show? Don't. Nothing. Yeah. Don't read the books. Maybe watch the movies. But there are so many people that are going into this as like, this is going to be the most epic like thing. And they're going to just let the TV show be its own thing. Like the movies were their own thing, yes. right? Because the yeah, movies are totally. so vastly different than the books in very fundamental – like having watched the movies and read the books, I'm sure you can appreciate, they butchered Faramir's character. You oh, and I have had yeah. conversations about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let the TV show be its own thing and then come back to the book and be like, oh, okay, I see why they made that change. Yeah. And be more appreciative of either the books in their yeah. detail or the movies in their – um uh adaptation i always forget that word i always want to say adaption but it's adaptation adaptation yeah. yeah also i am kind of now moving towards trying to go in as blind as possible mm -hmm. and so like i'm not really paying attention to releases and teasers and trailers like if it shows up on my feed i'm not gonna like actively like block or mute anything but i ha i've decided i'm like i think it'll be and this is coming from my experience with the witcher where mm. i that my introduction to the witcher universe was the netflix show and then um, Friends of the Pod Second Breakfast Podcast mm. um, are reading. They were reading the Witcher books and then watching it. Oh. And they really do not like the Netflix show. Yeah, and no, I was I, like, yeah, what? I, I get it's that. It's the greatest thing in the world. Have you seen Henry Cavill? <laughs> I am very much of the opinion they need to, the, the TV shows and the books and the movies and various adaptations, they need to be able to exist outside of the quote-unquote source material you can have different yeah they shapes. can all cut because you know like the way you tell a story through a video game and the way you tell a story through a book and the way you tell a story through a series and a movie even even just between tv shows and movies are totally different modes of storytelling 100%. so 100 you're not going to be able to to like you have to that's why it's called an adaptation you have to adapt it for whatever medium is is best I, I, yeah let's dive into the chapter where literally every time i complained about the film everyone just kept saying just wait it gets better and i'm like we're you know on chapter 
you know, 18. And I'm like, what do you mean it gets better? Um, So this is chapter 19 of Huon the Hound. Oh, I'm sorry. Baron and Luthien. You did not. You, You know what? Fair. I respect it. Before we move further, what is the pronunciation of that dog's name? Huan. Huan is correct. You are correct. Okay. Yes. In my head, I just started saying Quan. <laughs> I, a lot of people do. It's Juan. totally fine. Juan. Hello. I am Juan, Juan. the talking dog. Um, does anyone remember those um, Taco Bell commercials from uh, the, little the chihuahua. 2000s with the yes. Chihuahua? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, this chapter is of Baron and Luthien. It was definitely a lot more different than I was expecting going into it. I thought it was just going to be some like big flowery romantic chapter, but there was so much more drama to it than I ever suspected. There's a dog. It talks. I do really quick want to uh, potentially shift people's expectations if they are uh, following along and decide to read. Um, Chapter 19 of Baron and Luthien is not where the Silmarillion gets good. It is what makes the book worth it, right? Because if this chapter didn't exist, the book would be significantly worse. Like maybe uh, of Turin Turambard, the Children of Horin chapter, which is coming a little bit later, and then the Akalabeth, everything in the Second Age, those do justice to it. But no, the, the Silmarillion is worth it because of the tale of Baron and Luthien to me. Uh, but it by no means makes the rest of the book better. I it's I awful. was thinking the whole time that I was reading this chapter, I was like, it's occurring to me that every that that Tolkien wrote the rest of the book so that he could explain the backstory for Baron and Luthien. One hundred percent. He <laughs> like started he writing. Started with them, and then was like, well, I need to explain where. Luthien came from. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she's the daughter of <laughs> Thingol and Melian, who <laughs> and live then in Doriath. Yep. And then he's like, okay, well, how did this other dude get here? Okay, so he's a man. Um, and the men, they came in later because elves are superior to everyone. <laughs> and but what was this land? How did this land get here? And yeah, that I fully believe that. Kicking off, um, it this chapter. Makes references to, um, I believe it's a song called the the Lay of Lethian. Would you like an obscure Lord of the Rings fact? No, you're not allowed to do. Oh uh, no! No, I'm just kidding. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, Tolkien started writing the Tale of Baron and Luthien in 1917 in the midst of World War One. Uh, he, as one does, as one does, right? Major trauma, lots of inspiration. Um, so he writes it down. Uh, puts it away, saves it for a rainy day, comes back to it, decides I'm going to rewrite the entire thing in poetry, which is then the Lay of Lathian. Because keep in mind, the Silmarillion wasn't published until many years after Tolkien's death. So, like, there are, like, several different versions of this that exist. It has its own book that was published, like, with all of the different versions. It's literally called Baron and Luthien. And one of them rhymes, but he's missing, like, the last three not stanzas, I think it's called cantos, the like the last three portions of the yeah. story, they don't exist. And there's so much of this story that is just the most um, weird, bizarre stuff that somehow got transformed into a cohesive narrative. I give a lot of that credit to Christopher Tolkien. Man, this is cohesive? <laughs> as cohesive as know, he right? could be, unfortunately. Yeah, so it, it, it says that that version of the story... Um, is 
like extremely long and it says but here the tale is told in fewer words and without song and i'm like this is fewer Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is fewer Mm -hmm. words okay we're gonna rewind a bit to the previous chapter at some point bar here and his buddies become a band of outlaws in some haunted woods and they're running they're you know trying to hide from morgoth yep so we we go into and, and we're told at the end of the previous chapter it's literally like oh by the way they all died except for baron <laughs> <laughs> that is tolkien's favorite thing to do right is to take a bunch of characters that you're like i can identify with these people because they are facing hardships and they're dead they're all they dead. are all dead we won't get into erithel <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. We're zooming in now on that group of people. They are, yeah, trapped in this forest, lost. They don't know what to do. And there's one guy named Gorlim, and he lost his wife, Ilanel. Ilanel, yes. Ilanel, great. He constantly goes back to their home, thinking that maybe she'll come back or she's there. He... He just wants to believe that she has been captured. Um, And I know what you're thinking right now. What the hell does this have to do with Baron and Luthien? Well, (laughs) because that's where I started. I was like, I don't care Uh about this guy. So he is just desperate and he keeps going back. However, Morgoth is his servants are watching and they see him constantly going back to this one place to look for her. So one day they play a little trickery and... Make him believe that she is there, and then they capture him. And he believes that they have both been captured by Sauron. And so he says, Okay, I will tell you where my buddies are, where Bart here and all the men are, um, if you release my wife. Actually, no, he says, um, uh, something about they can be together, right? Be Let reun- me- yeah, be reunited. Yeah, mm. the phrasing is like very important. Very important. Um, and then Sauron says, that is a small price for so great a treachery, which just savage that he's like, damn, yeah. that's cold. Yeah, even Sauron was like, oh my God, dude, really? Yeah, like, wow, selling out all of these men for your wife. Interesting. Gorlum reveals to Sauron where the rest of the men are. And Sauron is like, well, your wife is dead. So you said you wanted to be reunited with her? Great. And kills him. There's like one or two moments like that of like, you know how, like in mythology, genies are very literal when you like ask for Mm -hmm. a wish Mm -hmm. or something. And so it kind of reminded me of that. There are like some very literal and like loopholes being you know, and taken sa- yeah, and advantage Sauron's, of here. Sauron's going to use every loophole he has to his advantage. That's just his nature. Yes. Sauron goes and hunts down the rest of these men and kills them all, except um, Baron was away. He was like hunting or he was away. And so he wasn't there when they get killed. But he has a bad dream that something is happening. And it says that a wraith of Gorlim uh, appeared to him in his dream, which is just extra creepy yeah there's there's this weird thing that tolkien has where like the magic of the first age doesn't ever really transition into the second or third age like where was the ghost of boromir that appeared to like aragorn to give him the like you know where where was that it doesn't happen it doesn't exist does it exist in fan fiction probably will (laughs) i abuse it to the best of my abilities in my ttrpgs set in middle earth (laughs) hundred percent 
Um, I did kind of, yeah, I did notice that because there are several points in this chapter where it's like all of a sudden Luthien just has magic now or like she has a new power or listen, like Melian like makes eye contact with Baron and he just like magically knows what to say. There's a lot of, there's a lot of divine intervention and yes. loose magic systems. Tolkien wrote it that way so that he could write a cool story, but like my my advice to anyone trying to read this book or at least follow along is don't think too much about it, right? It's a fairy tale and the plot gives the main character superpowers when they need them and takes them away when wait, they wait, need exactly. them. Yeah. That's yeah. how it works, unfortunately. Baron goes he he wakes up and he goes, you know, speeding through the forest to find everyone and he sees this band of orcs, um, and he swears an oath of vengeance. Something about oh that's right they had they had cut off his father's hand and stolen his ring which like why not just take the ring off his hand you know it's an orc thing what's his name Baron <laughs> titular um, character of the chapter gra- but go on <laughs> yeah so he like kills all these orcs yep. takes the severed hand of his father with the ring still on it Gross. and flees yeah I'm like just I know we're like. Qu- like we're we're in a hurry here, but like just take the ring off. <laughs> That's my sound um, effect. Sorry, that was gross. <laughs> Throughout the rest of this part, now I'm just imagining he's over the next four years that he is in this forest. Still, he's just running, holding the severed hand of his father. <laughs> For the next four years, Baron is still trapped in this part of the forest, kind of like lost and dismayed and everything. He becomes friends of birds and beasts. And they help him. And because of this, he becomes vegetarian. It says he did not fear death, only captivity. News spreads that there's this man that has escaped the servants of of Morgoth. And it says that a price was set upon his head no less than the price upon the head of Fingon. So here's my question, kind of a la, how do orcs know what a menu is? Uh. What currency... It, like, if Morgoth is setting a price on his head, what currency are they using? What economic system do they have in place that Morgoth is like, yeah, 500 gold coins to the orc that that brings me barren? And then what are the orcs going to? I'm assuming the orcs are just going to go to a restaurant and order some meat because it's back on the menu. But like what like what is the per- what is the servant of Morgoth who gets the reward going to do with that reward? So allow me to potentially shift your way of thinking for a moment. The reward, the price is usually in medieval times, ancient civilizations, mythology, what have you, is not a, a coin per se, but it is a a boon from the king or a valuable item, fancier clothing, a status symbol Uh. to differentiate someone like a, you know, if it's a human that works for Sauron that captures him, maybe it's, you know, he gets elevated to like a lord of his, you know, land wherever they live, Easterling, Haradrim, evil Southrons, what have you. If it's an orc, maybe he gets promoted to like chieftain, something like that. So like, is it really money? No. The the economics the okay. economics of Middle Earth are vastly so underdeveloped. So Morgoth is not going to show up knocking on the front door of an orc with an oversized check. This is not Publishers Clearinghouse. No. Uh, 
Bummer. So. (laughs) (laughs) Hope that clears things up for you. That all makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Baron uh, is kind of like learning that he is, you know, a wanted man. It just says... So what happens? Why don't you you take over? What right, happens? Right. So he so, he runs uh, away from the forest. He, <laughs> so he runs away from the forest, and he goes to uh, the city. And or wait, is it Torin that gets? Ca- oh shoot! Now see, now you got me second guessing. <laughs> Okay, okay. So when Baron learns that he is a wanted man, he uh, leaves the forest that he is in through uh, Nan Dungortheb and then passes into Doriath. And Doriath, of course, is like triple the size of Fangorn and has a giant, you know, uh, in Dungeons and Dragons terms, a big circle of protection uh, around it. Yes. Because Melian, the the girdle the girdle of Melian yes uh because Luthien's mom is kind of a of a of a badass right and she can oh, just oh she's the greatest she is she is <laughs> wait wait till i won't spoil it for you but uh she has a very uh by felicia moment coming up and i'm quite ready for you uh to to see it so uh yes he he wanders into the the past the girdle of melian into the forest of doriath and there just like aragorn and arwen do he spots her afar in the middle of a forest and as i've said before hot women wandering through the forest is a common theme in many of tolkien's yes books um and of course he instantly falls in love with her because that's how relationships work, kids. You can look at someone in the middle of a deserted forest and fall in love with them and it's not creepy. I'm lying, of course, but, you know, this is how fairy tales work. So, Ladies out there, I highly recommend not going deep into a forest. And if you see a man, run. Run. Opposite direction. Even if you're not in a forest, if you just see a man. See a man. Just in general. (laughs) Run. The opposite direction. Yes, he ends up pa- yeah, going past the Girdle of Melian, which at some point or another, I think Galadriel and Melian um, were, were talking and Melian was saying, she was like, yeah, at some point, though, Thingold doesn't realize, but there is going to be some some guy, some dude is going to come walking past our, you know, boundary and it's going to have no power over him. There's there's um, a prophecy. It's not going to keep him out. I can't help it. The author said so. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Where where I'm getting this information from? Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I'm magic. Again, try not to think too hard about this sort of thing. When Baron sees Luthien for the first time. And and remember, he's been living like by himself as an outlaw. I mean, before all the people died for probably a couple of years. Yeah, I don't know how no, long they were there together, he's, but he's, he's by basic- himself for four years. Yeah, he's basically Tom Hanks in Castaway combined with like one of those, you know, uh, primitive uh primitive technologies YouTube videos where they just sort of live in huts that they made themselves in the woods. It's a combination of those two things. And also, let's keep in mind, he's been vegetarian this whole time, too. So he hasn't had meat in a while. Mm-mm. I would be angry. <laughs> so he first sees Luthien, and it says, All memory of his pain departed from him, and he fell into an enchant- enchantment. For Luthien was the most beautiful of all the children of Iluvatar. And then, like, something happens where she disappears, and he's like, 
where'd she go? (laughs) Where'd she go? And so for a while, he's still, he's just kind of like trying to find her again. He started calling her Tenuviel, which means Nightingale. And then eventually he, I think he falls asleep and then she finds him. And um, so it says, but as she looked on him, doom fell upon her and she loved him. Can you please give me a a synonym for the word doom? Because I know that in... I know that Tolkien isn't using it to mean something bad. It's more like fate or yeah, like yeah. fate, but I still can't like like I can't think of better words to replace that cuz it's used a bit like if you took a drink every time he used the word doom in this chapter, you would die. Yeah, yeah, you'd be dead. In fact, why don't we do that? I currently am halfway through an Arnold Palmer <laughs> spiked. Uh, let's let's do that. Okay, so here's here's what I will say about that word. Um, one, it's overused, and I'm not a huge fan of it. However, I per- personally, I do think that Tolkien means the word doom in the sense of death or an ending or a finality of things because had luthien not seen baron fallen in love develop their relationship she'd probably still be chilling either in the undying lands or hanging out with galadriel in the third age when the fellowship comes around right because there's a certain level of like prowess that you get from being a first age elf that lives through all of that look no further than Galadriel. So when a doom falls upon a a Tolkien character, it usually means that there is a great fate, a great quest that they must go on, like a great doom fell upon Frodo, right? He doesn't die per se, but he does, you know, we set out to save Shire, it has been saved, but not for me, right? Like there's no situation where Frodo gets out of this unscathed. And in that similar vein, there's no situation where Luthien gets out of this unscathed because a doom fell upon him. That's my interpretation, at least. Okay, cool. They make eye contact, and apparently that's all it takes to have like your entire fates intertwined. <laughs> hey, if it worked in It's a Wonderful Life and that Lonely Island song, it can work for you. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, so Luthien and Baron, they're now madly in love with each other. So cute. I know his name is like Dairon. But D- yeah, no, you're right. You're- I say Darren. <laughs> we can call him Darren from now on. It's really okay. Here's the thing about here's the thing about Silmarillion pronunciations. Everything's made up, and the points don't matter. And the points don't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. None of it matters. None of it matters. Because they're all going to be dead. Um, Darren. <laughs> Spoilers. The Darren the minstrel loves Luthien. Classic love triangle. <sighs> Except it's not a love triangle. It's a line and a dot miles away Mm, (laughs) it's mm. one it's a dot it's it's a point with a dotted line towards luthien and then luthien and baron are a solid line it's just a weird v shape where they're both going towards luthien but like the one line is like a weird incel kind of dude so you don't even think about it yes oh yeah oh it gets weird um he sees them together and is like well that's not fair because um she's supposed to love me so he goes and tattles women are not property sorry sorry i just have no it's important i have to push my agenda i have to push my agenda women are not my my agenda is women are not property hashtag agenda (laughs) what a controversial statement they are so they are taken before Thingol. Baron is like 
I don't know what to I don't know what to do in this situation. <laughs> like I've barely <laughs> seen people for the last, you know, six years of my <laughs> life, let alone like an elven king. Like I don't know what to do in this situation. Thingle is pissed. Love these moments where it says, but Melian was silent. Thingle is like, who the F are you? Baron doesn't say anything, and then Luthien speaks up and is like, this is who this is my boyfriend now. <laughs> <laughs> We just met. Um, this is my boyfriend Andy, and this is his boyfriend, boyfriend. Sam. Yes. How is <laughs> Frodo's in love with Sam. Sam's in love with Rosie. I have Rosie. the meme. I have the meme made. Go refer to it. Where oh, we're like it. cross-referencing like five different things now. Thingle is like, I don't care who you think you are. I don't care how much you've escaped Morgoth. How dare you come into my land? How dare you even look at my daughter? Thingle in this chapter gives me huge Clint Eastwood get off my lawn vibes. You know that movie? What's, what's mm-hmm. that movie called? It's that it's the Gran Torino. Gran Torino. Very much in that sort of like Gran Torino, like get out of my kingdom, human. Get off my lawn. Same sort of vibes. Yes. And worse. Oh, you significantly. Know? This is what I was referring to earlier where it's like random magic happens. Baron and Melian make eye contact. And it seemed to him that words were put into his mouth and fear left him. He, he speaks very confidently and is like, I came here through fires and of Morgoth and all this stuff. And I, it, I'm not here for gold and silver or jewels but I did find your daughter. She's pretty. Can I marry her? Everyone watching is like, <gasps> and then just kind of like waiting and holding their breath because they think that Baron's going to get killed right then and there. Oh, and he also, I should mention, shows the ring of Felagund, uh, Finrod, that had been given to his father, Bara, here. And Thingol just doesn't care. Um, also, he doesn't like he doesn't like the Noldor, so that doesn't really mean anything to him anyway. Nope. Thingol is like, I know what I'm gonna do. He says, "Bring to me in your hand a Silmaril from Morgoth's crown, and then, if she will, Luthien may set her hand in yours." So that's the the deal. This is kind of another example, a great example, I think, of, and you may disagree with this, Tolkien being a good writer. Because he set up very specifically, bring me in your hand a Silmaril that is referenced previously by reunite me with my wife from the guy that got captured. So you have that in your head of like, oh, Sauron is tricky and specific with the words. He's about to do the same thing in like 20 pages. Yeah. Lupul's galore are important in this in this chapter also important melian leans over to thingle at one point and whispers to him and bade him forego his wrath for not by you shall baron be slain and far and free does his fate lead him in the end yet it is wound with yours take heed um so she's you know warning her her husband and you know these vague terms of like i can see the future but i'm also not going to tell you exactly what happens because plot convenience <laughs> yes so now this challenge has been set before baron that he can have luthien if he gets a silmaril and baron's like bet, bet. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> 
That's exactly what he says. He says, for little price do elven kings sell their daughters. Yeah, oh, so I love so that line. So confident in himself. He's like, piece I, of cake. Can I tell you, can I tell you a dream I have? Just I know this is a pipe dream. I so desperately want to see a reuniting of Chris Hemsworth and uh Tom Hiddleston with Tom Hiddleston playing Thingle and Chris Hemsworth or and and Chris Hemsworth playing Baron where there's this this confrontation between the Elven King and I've always pictured it that way in my head and I would just love to see Chris Hemsworth in his best Thor voice go <laughs> for little price do Elven kings sell their daughters and the eyes of Loki Thingle in this case and Tom Hiddleston yes. like just just the dynamic of that. Can we please have that? Yes, and like thinking you've you've been got, you oh, know, yes, like yes. they're, they're both they're both in it, that moment thinking like I got yeah, you, it's like mind I'm going to win this thing. It's yeah, all mind games. <laughs> so Baron sets off. Melian turns to Thingol and says, um, "You have doomed either your daughter or yourself." Yeah, you done fucked up now, boy. Yeah, she was like, "I said, like, let's tread lightly." And you did not. And now either, um, like, let's say, like, best case scenario, he goes, easily gets a Silmaril, brings it over to the forest to us. Now, like, the Noldor are going to come and attack us. Morgoth is going to come and attack us. Um, And if he doesn't succeed, then we're going to have a very depressed daughter. And she's probably going to die of a broken heart. So good job, buddy. You didn't think this through, did you? No, he does not. A lot of the elves in this book do not think things through. As I have often said, a lot of the events of the Silmarillion could have been avoided if everyone went to therapy. Nobody goes to therapy. No, that doesn't exist here. I mean, Um, look, I'm sure there's an elf that is willing to talk about feelings, um, but it just doesn't My money's on Maedros. Yeah, I think Maedros might be I think he's willing to work through some of that trauma of being captured by by Morgoth and having his hand cut off. That's an excellent point. I agree with you. Baron has left. Melian's like, you idiot, to her husband. And Luthien falls silent. And from that hour, she sang not again in Doriath. And um, it says a brooding silence fell upon the woods and the shadows lengthened in the kingdom of Thangol. Um, Now Baron... He he like walk he like looks around all of a sudden at the land and he's like what do I even like where do I go where do I even begin like I can imagine like the reality of the situation setting in he's it's, like yeah what do I do It's the end of finding Nemo where the fish escaped the uh yes. the dentist's aquarium and they're like well now what Now what yeah. yes which side note they absolutely should have followed up with them in the finding dory sequel and the fact that they didn't makes me very upset. Oh, <gasps> that's so true. I didn't yeah. even think about that. Not even a post credit scene. Oh. Yeah. We just need a Finding Nemo too. Okay, which everyone at- write into Pixar now about Finding Nemo, which I think is 20 years old now. and Easy, easy. Finding I- Dory, which I think is like eight years old now. <laughs> We're well. old now. It's fine. Baron looks around and is like... Okay, I'm going to go to where my dad had friends. So he goes to Nargothrond and finds Finrod um, and shows the ring off. And Finrod is, you know, you know, welcomes him in. And Finrod they, is the realest of dudes, right? He's, like, he's pretty great. Show me, like, easily top five. Show me a better elf who is like, 
I got you. He's a homie. He yeah, is. He's he a is. homie. He is. And they like exchange, you know, tales and um, Baron tells him what happened to his father and Fenrod is like, oh, well, you know, we have, you know, like I swore allegiance and alliance with him. So I'll help you with whatever you need. And <laughs> and Baron's like, well, Funny you mentioned that. <laughs> um, will you go on this mission, suicide mission with me to Angband, and we have to steal a Silmaril out of the crown of Morgoth? And I can just imagine Finrod sitting there being like, you mean the thing that my cousins have been trying to do for the last 400 years? Mm-hmm. Sure, let's just go do it real quick. Not a problem. That's the thing, though. Oaths in Middle-earth, like the Oath of Feanor, the, all of them, words have a power in Middle-earth that they don't in the real world, in that you can be, you know, driven mad or, uh, you know, forced to do action just from from an honor standpoint right it's almost like a like a like almost an, an asian sort of philosophy right like if you can't make the decision it's almost like a seppuku kind of deal i read a lot of um i read a lot of east asian um theater in high school that was a weird phase for me but like <laughs> it, it really it has a a a almost tangible feel to it so don't swear oaths in middle earth finrod is very he's like yo i will help you absolutely no question however tricky situation two of the sons of feanor are in my kingdom and they will be pissed Uh-oh. when they hear that you were going to go get a silmaril um uh let's see um, it says, for the Silmarils are cursed with an oath of hatred, and he that even names them in desire moves a great power from slumber. And the sons of Feanor would lay all the elf kingdoms in ruin rather than suffer any other than themselves to win or possess a Silmaril, for the oath drives them. They need to go to therapy. Therapy. But, but they, they don't. They promise their daddy. Yeah. They promised their daddy. Do, do you remember when that daddy turned to dust and, like, didn't <laughs> tell anybody on his deathbed that it wasn't worth it anymore? Speaking on, like, what makes the Silmarillion, like, worth it or whatever, I was immensely enjoying the Silmarillion when we were following Feanor. And then he died. Yeah. <laughs> Tolkien, <laughs> pretty early on Tolkien and i was like did well, game of thrones way before george rr R. martin it's like oh you like this main character you like you want to follow his epic quest gone it's not even that like oh i care for him and i don't want i enjoyed what he did to the story yep. which was just cause chaos and then he died and i was like well man i don't like i don't want peace i want bring me the chaos and that's kind of coming back here courtesy of his two sons Caligorm and Corufen, mm-hmm. um, who are the two sons of Feanor, that reminder in the previous chapter, they fled their, their realms and fled and went to Nargothrond. Now they've just been chilling here 
And Finrod is like, okay, well, let's go find out who wants to join us. And I'm like, why Why would you not just like secretly be like, hey, we need some people on a mission or, you know, gather a council of everyone and, and leave the two sons of Feanor out. I was like, oh, we're just going to hide the fact that you're looking for a, a Silmaril from them. That's how we're going to do this. No, he, he gets up in front of all of his people and is like, we're going to go get a Silmaril. Who wants to come with? And Kelligorm stands up and set like a huge, like not a monologue, but like a long sentence being like, be he friend or foe, demon of Morgoth, elf, child, um, living in Arda, neither law, law nor love, all this stuff will keep us from pursuing uh, the Silmarils. For the Silmarils we alone claim until the world ends. <coughs> There's such... Like yeah, I, they're kind of the worst. They are really the worst kind of elf. It just, oh, I hate them, yet respect them so much. Because it takes a certain kind of person to be that much of a jerk to everybody around you for hundreds of years. Yes, and they... They keep getting jerkier throughout the, the, the chapter, like, yeah. terribly. Well, Daddy is gone, and there's nobody to reel them in. I don't think Feanor ever did that, though. <laughs> I, there was there was a certain power dynamic between the father and the sons, and now that I the father so, yeah. is gone, the sons are like, well, who's who's in charge now? Who do we, what, dad, da- oh, You dad's- know what? This, this situation reminds me of a bit, and maybe it's just because I started rewatching the show. Kind of reminds me of of the Bluths in Arrested Development. <laughs> oh my <laughs> where god! The patriarch goes to jail, and the not even the oldest son, but the most responsible son, is like trying to take charge of this family, and and keep all these chaotic siblings and family members on track. Is Arrested and Development just a modern adaptation of the Silmarillion? Of the Silmarillion. <laughs> Of Feano of the the family of Feanor, yeah, um, probably not a one to one, but like just very similar to me, where like you, there's no family figure trying to keep everyone, you know, in line, mm-hmm. any, you know, and and try as Michael Bluth might, he, I guess, in this case, is is like Maedhros, where he admit he was like, I'm stepping, but like I'm not. You know, we kind of lost our leadership privileges when we killed our people. Everybody. So why don't, you know, Uncle Fingolfin, why don't you be king instead? Um, and like recognizing that and having some, taking some responsibility and accountability for your actions. Can I get Ron Howard to narrate the Silmarillion for me? Oh my God. Can I, for those that haven't watched Arrested Development, the comedic it's timing. So- it's such a good show. Ron Howard is the narrator, and he chimes in as the narrator pretty much like two or three times an episode in the most perfect ways imaginable. And I can just... No, Michael. He mailed the letter. That's not the point. Job had not mailed the letter, but in an act of defiance, dramatically hurled the letter into the sea. It's like, I will get that silver reel. He didn't. That reminds me, I need to look up that scene where the doctor comes out and is like, You said he was all right. Yes, he's lost his left hand, so he's going to be all right. And I need to try and use that for Baron. 
Except for I think he I think he loses his left hand. Let's read and find out. Yeah, we'll have to find We're out. We're only like five pages into a 19-page oh chapter, so, so. Oh, Jesus. All we right. carry on. There's a big kerfuffle, and what Fingolfin happens? is like, I need the help, and the sons Fingolfin's of- Fingolfin's dead. Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> listen, if I had a nickel for every time Tolkien named an elf- with the word Finn with an in F it, name. I'd yeah. I'd have like seventeen nickels, which is not a I'd lot have of two money. Nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's, it's weird, weird that, that it happened, happened twice. Let's see, Kelgorm and Kurufin are being really rowdy at this meeting, and they start to conjure in the minds of the elves a vision of war and the ruin of Nargothrond. So great a fear did. They set in their hearts that never after until the time of Turin would any elf of that realm go into open battle. Thus, they fell from the valor and freedom of the elves of old and their land was darkened. So like their their actions have consequences for, oh, yeah. for a while now. Oh, yeah. Um, however, um, and it also says the curse of Mandos came upon the brothers and they start thinking even darker thoughts and they're like I know what we're gonna do Finrod we're gonna encourage Finrod to go off he's gonna die we're gonna take his throne excellent Finrod and Baron and I think maybe a few other yeah, there's I there's a 10. couple yeah I think there's 10 others there's 12 total yeah 10 others leave and they leave his brother Orodreth in charge and it ends this little section with and Kelligorm and Kurofen said nothing but they smiled and went from the halls which is just unsettling and creepy same thing his father does just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm out they're like I'm gonna sit and wait for my time to come yep so they are now traveling towards Angband and they take on some disguises of orcs but Sauron is watching and he's like well hang on that's weird because orcs are supposed to report back to Morgoth if they like walk through this territory and these orcs aren't doing that yeah so that's a bit suspicious to me don't be suspicious don't be suspicious then um, some servants get sent to, to find them and bring them to him and Sauron and Finrod have a dance battle, have a lip sync battle. I can kind of explain this a little bit more. Do you remember in the Fellowship of the Ring movie when they are on the mountain and Gandalf starts chanting in Sindarin and he says, it's Saruman and yells towards Isengard and we cut to Isengard and there's that big sweeping shot where Saruman is trying to bring down the mountain on them. So. Yes. In a very literal sense, the words in Tolkien's Middle-earth have power. And in a way, the power is able to sort of influence the magic. And the elves of the First Age, and especially Sauron, can tap into this power. And so it literally becomes a sort of battle of the minds, not necessarily of the words like Gandalf versus Saruman in that mountain scene, but very much in the same, like, um uh maybe a better example is like a professor x from x-men going up against another psychic where the 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 psychic powers that they they have and the mental fortitude that they have play a huge role in their ability to win that fight and it's vastly important because the the idea of like that ancient magic that tap into the valar and like the spirit that's huge for 
people like Sauron to be able to control the minds of the orcs, to be able to, you know, strike fear into the hearts of their enemies, right? The Nazgul don't actually fight, like, they don't 1v1 Aragorn often. That's why they're so easily defeated 5v1, right? They use fear, they use words, they use power, they use screams. Sauron, Saruman, they all do the same thing. So this battle is very emblematic of a constant theme that Tolkien has been pushing throughout all of his legendarium. Sorry, I realize I'm rambling, but like that's a hugely no, important scene for me. We yeah, we appreciate the the additional context. And eventually Sauron, you know, finds them out, strips them from their disguise, and they all of a sudden are contestants on the hit reality show Naked and Afraid. Because <laughs> it literally says they stood before him naked and afraid. And they get cast into a dark pit threatens to kill all of them until one of them tells the truth about what they're doing and who they are. Luckily, they're all OGs and they do not... They do not squeal. Do not squeal. That's about all, all, all we can say for their journeys because they come to an end very quickly. Yeah. Meanwhile, Luthien back in Doriath, she feels very helpless. She wants to go do something else. She um, all of a sudden has this... Um, terrible feeling in her heart that something bad has happened when when they get captured. So she is like, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go find them and help. Um, and I love this. Um, Thingol was filled with fear and wonder because he would not deprive Luthien of the lights of heaven lest she fail and fade and yet would restrain her. He caused a house to be built from which she would not escape. So... That's fun. It's just Rapunzel. It's just Rapunzel. Yes. To the extreme. So she, yeah, so she gets put in this treehouse <laughs> with no way to get out. It just says she put forth, I think this also is said a couple times throughout the, the chapter where it's like she put forth her enchantment and it's like, how, what, oh, <laughs> what you, are these powers? There, uh, listen, I, I always, you know, that Shia LaBeouf uh, Saturday Night Live gif where it's just, he's wearing this long black-haired wig and he just goes magic that's how i describe elf magic in yeah. the first stage it's just whatever the plot needs it to be tolkien gave it to him and it's elf magic it's, it's nondescript magic. right if i wanted a hard magic system i would read the wheel of time or the play the witcher video games but this yes. this is just like yeah she can turn into a bat sure <laughs> that, sorry that comes up later carry on her powers cause her hair to grow a great length and she cuts off some of it, I guess, and weaves it into a dark robe that wraps her beauty like a shadow and is laden with a spell of sleep. And then with the rest of her hair, she uses it for rope and climbs out the window. So now she's wearing this robe of hair. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> uh, listen, in Tolkien's defense, in Tolkien's defense, I'm glad Rapunzel rescued herself and didn't wait for Prince Charming. That is what makes Luthien yes. my favorite elf of all time. Um, but yeah, the idea, I think the idea is like that the hair becomes a cloak and it's not just like a cousin it from uh, the Adams family situation. Oh no, that was exactly what I was picturing. Uh, I really <laughs> try not to. She's just running around with like a cloak of hair. I try not to think about it. Meanwhile, Kelligorm and Kurufim are on a hunt. They are with Kelligorm's uh, hound that was given to him from Orome, from his like pack of of you know hunting hound dogs. I'm sure it's not like an act, you know, like a, a dog. It's probably more like a, a giant wolf of some of some kind. He's you know, the, I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a cover um, 
for the actual, like, I call it the extended edition, because it's all of the narratives of Baron and Luthien, all the versions. It's called Baron and Luthien. There's the cover of it is very much an Irish wolfhound, but big enough that a seven foot tall elf can ride upon it ride like a on horse. It, yeah. <laughs> so just picture a, an enormous, like, Irish wolfhounds are already like 170 to 200 pounds. Picture just an even bigger but one. A horse. The size. Yeah, but a picture horse. a horse. All those TikToks you've seen of like people with their giant dogs just acting super casually, and then you click on the on the comments, and it's like, ma'am, that's a horse. Same same that, energy. That's same energy. Yes. So this hound was given to Caligorm, and his name is Huan, right? Yes. Huan is such a good boy. He's just such. A, he's the best boy. He's the best doggo. He sees Luthien and goes after her. He's I, I should clarify, he's not a good boy right now. <laughs> this I, isn't great. But he also didn't really know what was going on, right. sure. But he becomes a good boy. He fi- he sees Luthien and like alerts, you know, to her presence and brings her to Kelagorm. Luthien is like, oh my God, this is great. Aren't weren't you guys also like looking for the Silmarils or something? Like let's team up. This is excellent. Oh my God, you guys came from Nargathrond? I think that's where my boyfriend might have gone. Like, let's team up. This is great. Um, and it Caligorm wasn't and, just just Ron <laughs> Howard. Ron Howard yes, narration. Ron Howard. It wasn't, but it was not great. Um, and they take her to Nargathrond, and it says, um, "By no sign did he reveal that he knew already of Baron and the quest of which she told, nor that it was a matter which touched him near." So they take her to Nargathrond, and she is betrayed, and they lock her away. And their plan is that um, they're going to go to Thangol and say, yo, we got your daughter. We're only going to release her if you let us marry her. Nothing like a little hostage situation to win the throne. Which is gross, yes. But Huan the Hound was true of heart, and the love of Luthien had fallen upon him in the first hour of their meeting, and he grieved at her captivity. Can I just say, we need to stop having things, people, animals. Stop looking at Luthien. You'll just fall in love with her, right? Darren, Baron, Huan, who's I yes. guess at this point should just be named Huin, just to keep with the end. <laughs> just to get, the yeah, end. yeah. Go with it. So he goes to her cell and helps her out. And there's this like random thing where he's been permitted to speak three times in his life and then he will die. <sighs> Again, big, big air quotes here elf magic just 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 like so so random but don't worry don't think too much about it 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 don't just don't think too much about it so he tells her about this plan to get out and they you know get out together and he lets her ride on him and they run away now back at i don't know oh that's right aren't they near yeah they're like in the the like island that's Minas Tirith, but it's not our Minas Tirith. Different Minas. There's a Dif- there's another Minas Tirith. Yeah. I don't know why. It's I dumb, hate. Don't to- worry. There's two Denethors. He, there's two Boromirs. I think he ran it's, out of names. <laughs> it's really obnoxious, and I kind of hate it. But you know, sure. Meanwhile, everyone has been killed <laughs> in the in this pit of Sauron. Sauron 
knows that Fenrod is someone important. He doesn't know who any of these people are, but he can sense that Fenrod is important. So his plan is to keep him alive and do something. So he sends down a wolf to kill Baron, who's the last one alive besides Fenrod. Um, but when that happens, <clears throat> Felagun put forth all his power and burst his bonds. And he wrestled with the werewolf and slew it with his hands and teeth. Mm. metal mm-hmm. yet he himself was wounded to the death r.i.p bro that's how finrod dies he dies being killed by a wolf which i did not see coming yeah no i <laughs> i thought it was gonna be a lot more epic than that but okay you know it, i i think there's there's something to be said about having so many characters in the silmarillion and just having some of them die in you know meaningful ways to the story but not like in maybe the way they wanted to because you, you get very much from the beginning. This is a complicated book, and nothing really happens the way you think. Like, I was very much expecting Feanor to be, like, the through character. And even though yeah, we don't like same. him, we kind of see what he's doing. And even though he's not, like, approaching it the best way, maybe he could be swayed by the end of the book. But no, he's dead, like, several chapters after he's introduced. And there is no coming back from the kind of stuff that he did, right? Like, there's there's no mm. there's nothing there. There's nothing there for him. Yeah. Um, and that's how Finrod goes out. R.I.P., bro. <laughs> Rip. Rest in peace. Um, <clears throat> so Baron is, you know, lying there mourning him. Meanwhile, Luthien comes and stands upon the bridge that leads to the the island and she sings some songs. Spoiler alert, she does a lot of singing in this chapter. <laughs> That's just like magic singing. Baron hears it. I think he responds. Yeah, he responds and then passes out. And then Luthien hears his response. So she and Huan start, you know, heading in their direction. Um, but Sauron sees them coming and sends out uh, a wolf to the bridge to take them down. But again, Huan is... A good boy. The best part of this whole series. And he takes out this wolf that's named Draugluin. Draugluin, yes. Yes, yes, yes. He can, and Sauron continues sending out, how, you know, wolves and, and whatnot after them. And Huon just keeps taking them out. And then Sauron turns himself into a werewolf. Elf magic. Don't, don't. Don't worry about don't, it. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it too much. And he comes leaping at them and it surprises Huan so much that he kind of like jumps aside at first. And Sauron is able to jump onto Luthien. She uses her cloak to stop him because it's the dark cloak that has like sleep magic in it. Um, And so that kind of causes him to stumble backwards. And then Huan jumps in again. And it says, there befell the battle of Huan and Wolf Sauron, which is just hilarious. Love it. Wolf Sauron. Love that so much. Um, And I was immensely worried for Huan here. I was like. Yeah, same. How dare you? Like, please, please be okay. Please be okay. And it says, but no wizardry nor spell, neither fang nor venom nor devil's art nor beast strength could overthrow Huan of Valinor. Um, And so he pins down Sauron, who goes into shape-shifting form every which way, trying to get out. He turns into a monster. He turns into a wolf. He turns into a serpent. And then finally, Luthien comes over and says, either we can strip you of your flesh and your ghost will be sent quaking back to Morgoth, or you can yield and turn the tower 
over to us. Um, but I love that it says, There everlastingly thy naked self shall endure the torment of his scorn, pierced by his eyes, unless thou yield to me the mastery of thy tower. And I was like, damn, Luthien. Luthien is, I, I think, like, and I mean this in the most respectful way possible, Luthien is a girl boss in the yes. highest sense. She she doesn't girl boss too close to the sun. She doesn't like try and be anything she is not, but she is so badass. Like there's a reason she's my favorite elf and this is one of the huge reasons why. Yes. Sauron's like, uh, "No, please don't send me back to my boss. Please don't let him know that I failed. Mm-mm. You can have this back. Okay, bye." They go and find Baron, um, and at first she thinks he might be dead too because he's laying there next to Finrod. Um, but then they wake up, look at each other, you know, gooey eyes, all that jazz. It's disgusting. I love it. <laughs> and it says that they bury Finrod. Uh, upon the hilltop of his own isle, um, because this island is um, land that I think he he had discovered, and so it was like under his. Um, maybe he hadn't even discovered it, but like it was sort of under his. I'm gonna be honest. Command. Tolkien makes up random details. You could probably be right, and I'd say yes, but like I, cool. I don't know. Um, and so they they bury him, and it says it was clean again, and so it kind of revitalizes this land. So I like that they they are like getting this little territory back. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice touch. Baron and Luthien leave, and this is part of their little honeymoon phase. Yay, they're together. They're not in Doriath, and they just kind of enjoy being together for a minute. It is it is one of the few moments of the Silmarillion where I'm like, nothing bad is happening. Yeah, nothing bad is I'm happening. I'm okay. And then Ron Howard, the narrator, comes in and goes, it wasn't. But it was not okay. <laughs> yeah, but it was not okay. Nope. <laughs> and I'm like, y'all just, like, just run away. Leave. Go, like, go yeah. like, figure out how to get back to Valinor. Or I guess he can't. I guess Baron uh, listen, probably can't go. Honor, but, like, well, I, uh, oh, that's, semantics, that's, whatever. But, like, listen. Pl- like go go into a and like, leave. Go, you know, like, you don't have to. They're like, oh, well, the only way we can be to get. And I'm like, you guys are away from her father now. Like, just go and, you know, do something and make her, you know, fake her death and then run away and be together. Great. I solved it for you. If only. But. But we can't. We don't, you know, Tolkien doesn't work like that. Honor his compels them. Same his deal. Word, same yes. deal with Feanor. Same deal with the sons of Feanor. Same deal with all of the elves, right? And the humans, right? Honor, duty compels them to do things they have sworn oaths to do. However mm-hmm. stupid those oaths might be. They're like, all right, we have to figure out what to do now. We, you know, okay. So they go back to Nargothrond and, you know, deliver the news that Finrod has been killed. He's dead. When they tell everyone what's happened, the people of Nargothrond are kind of like, wait a minute. <laughs> They lamented bitterly the fall of Felagun, their king, saying that a maiden had dared that which the sons of Feanor had not dared to do. Uh So they're like, damn, Mm. a girl did it. Like a girl went and fought Sauron. If you've ever and seen y'all the, did it. If you've litter, if you've ever seen the Sandlot, there's a line. You play ball like a girl. He literally, you play ball like a girl these these sons of Feanor and um you know what I'm not into gender stereotypes because obviously gender is a construct but you know if you're gonna insult the sons of Feanor in any way 
This is a great way to do it. Yeah. And like the gender constructs in this book are very much a thing. Oh, you know, they're very stereotypical. So so it's very meaningful. So like as meaningful as it is in our, you know, 21st century minds to be like, oh, cool. We have this badass female character who went and did this cool thing. It's even more important in their world that a woman did this. Yeah. And and I I can respect that. I I might not agree with how it is, but I'm looking at that through my own 21st century. Hell, 2022 version of which is yeah to- which is totally different from yeah 10 years ago yeah even yeah ago, even right? even just a short time ago it's still the same the people of nargothorn are also like wait a minute i think <laughs> you two guys <laughs> i don't think you guys are great hang for on us. hang on i think you kind of led us to believe that our leader was wrong and you made us think all these terrible things leave now and so they Take back Oradreth as their leader, Kelligorm and Karufin leave and ride away, but none would go with them, not even their own people. And specifically, Karufin's son, Celebrimbor, oh. stays behind. Now, isn't that an interesting name, listeners who may or may not be listening to this in the midst of the Rings of Power? <laughs> I think I, yeah, I was going to say, I think that name is important, but I don't know why or how or who or when. So, <laughs> Celebrimbor is the one that makes the, the rings uh, with Sauron in the second age. Oh, that's an uh oh. That's a big uh oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Maybe he should have gone with his father then. Well, you know what? <laughs> no, it's, it's different to him. Yeah, maybe, but honestly, I feel like there's there's a. There's some sort of like you can't escape your fate kind of thing to yeah. him. So now Baron and Luthien, okay, okay, let's you know figure out what to do. Baron has full intentions of taking Luthien back to Doriath, where at least she will be safe. But she's like, bro, I just came and rescued your ass. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't say that, but she's WTF, like, we've man. been through a lot. Yeah. I'm gonna stick with you no matter what your decision is. We will be together again. Our doom shall be alike, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, that find find yourself a girl that looks at you the way that Luthien looks at Baron. But as they are talking and deciding what to do, Caligorm and Corifen see them, and Caligorm goes charging towards Baron, meaning to like knock him over and trample him to death. I guess, I guess, and Corifen swoops down and picks up Luthien intending to like run away with her weird creepy in that hour Huan forsook the service of Keligor finally because after they rescued Baron Huan was like okay I'm gonna go back to my master now um, and I was like, no, come back. Yeah, yeah, no, same, same. <laughs> come be with us. <laughs> he charges in as um, Karufin and, and Baron are on the ground, like, ra- you know, wrestling and about to kill each Just other. Just wrestling and, like boys, you know, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, and Caligorm Ke- comes up behind him with a spear and is about to kill him. And so Huan jumps into action and saves them. Luthien is the one who jumps up and is like, no one's going to kill anyone, okay? But you are going to give us your horse. And your weapons. 
<laughs> good. They get one of their horses, and one of them has this like really like good knife that they take with them. Yeah. Oh shoot, what's that knife called? Oh, is it important? It's. I mean, I mean, I know he uses it later, but Angrist, A N G R I S T, the knife yes, made by Telkar of Nogrod. You don't have to remember that name; it's not important. Just know that Baron has a cool knife. Yes, Baron has a cool knife. Yeah, that's when Baron says, "Give me your horse. Your horse, I keep for the service of Luthien, and it may be accounted happy to be free of such a master." Oh, which coming from Tolkien is such an own. Oh my god, it's perfect though. It's perfect. I love it. You've been mean to this horse, and now we're taking it back. Tolkien does not take lightly to animal cruelty. That is one of yes. his like. That's one of his things. He just yes. So you think, okay, what? Like, wow, boy, th- this is so dramatic. That was crazy that that happened. Um, and they start, you know, heading off. But then in the distance, one of them shoots at them. Huan jumps in the air and grabs it in his mouth. And then Kurufin shoots again. And Baron jumps in front of Luthien, and the arrow hits him. It is told that Huan pursued the sons of Feanor, and they fled in fear. And returning, he brought to Luthien an herb out of the forest. What a good boy. What a good boy. Cannot stress enough how good of a boy. They like go to sleep and Baron sneaks off and tells Huan to look after Luthien and is like, I don't want to drag her into this mess. But Ron Howard comes out and says, he does. And um, he goes towards Angband and in the mountains and kind of has like a dramatic moment to himself um, where he sings this song of of parting because he believes that he's never going to see Luthien again. Mm -hmm. This is a real Ron Howard moment because it says he sang aloud, caring not what ear should overhear him. But Luthien heard his song. And so it's like and he sang out loud, not thinking that anyone would hear him. Spoilers. Luthien. Hearing Baron's song, <laughs> woke up and discovered that he had left her. Nobody you know? will hear me sing this song. His girlfriend did. Yeah. <laughs> this is where it starts getting random. Huan and Luthien start going after Baron, and they take on disguises of Dragluin, that random wolf <laughs> that Huan killed, and also a bat. <laughs> yeah, again, elf magic. Just don't don't think too hard and about they, it. They like. I'm just imagining they like take their pelts and put them. You know, like those bath those bath robes that are also like Hogwarts robes. Oh my god! You know, or, or just general like bath robes that are like costumes of some kind. Yes. Like that's what I'm imagining. Is it's it's just a like a a, a bath a. a a hoodie with, that disguises them poorly, which makes it even funnier when Morgoth is like, what's this wolf doing here? It's like, you know <laughs> I see you, like, right? Like, you don't, yeah. you don't comprehend that I know what's happening here, right? They find Baron. They're just going back and forth like, oh, man, this sucks that our fates are intertwined like this. And I curse what Thingle said and that I agreed to it and that you're involved now. And Huan speaks finally for the second time and i'm like all right shut up don't say anything else don't you dare because this is now the second time that he's spoken remember when he speaks three times then he will die i'm like all right no more and he says to him he's like you guys are idiots like (laughs) there's there's no way you can get out of this without each other but if you will not deny your doom then either luthien being forsaken must assuredly die alone or she must, with you, challenge the fate that lies before you. Mm. So he kind of settles it once and for all, that Luthien 
is going to do this and stay with Baron and they're going to do this together. I like that. I like that about them. And then I think he runs off again and I'm like, come back. <laughs> it's like, sorry, I got to, I dipped on my old master. I got to be true to my oath there. Because again. I don't know. Yeah. He, he, he runs off to go, I think, be with the other wolves or something. I don't know. But he, he leaves them for a bit. Mm. And he gives Baron his <laughs> wolf cloak <laughs> disguise here take this wolf and and this is where i was like wait a minute so are they actually these animals because barrett is like running around and he is howling it says then howling under the moon he leaped down the hill and the bat wheeled and flittered above him so i'm like okay i guess they actually are these animals i guess they finally make it to the gates of angband finally dun 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 and they're like oh whoa, this is a guard that no one has ever talked about before. And it's this giant wolf um, who I kind of equate this to the... the um, it, it seems to me similar in Harry Potter how both Harry's wand and Voldemort's wand are made with the same feather where there are... Where Huan is this hound of Orome. And then I think from that same like pack of hounds, Morgoth took one of them and turned it into his own like dark creature servant for his for his bidding. Karkaroth. Karkaroth, yes. The Red Maw. And he's a giant... Hound wolf thing who guards the gates of Angband. Luthien knows she sings a song. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't think she sings a song. It's power of friendship. Maybe she does. It's but she does energy. use her magic sleep cloak. No, I was right. It says, but suddenly some power descended from of old. Wait, what? But suddenly some power descended from of old from divine race possessed luthium and so she takes off this you know her disguise uses her cloak i think and and says a, a spell and he is put to sleep again it's not even like tolkien is trying to hide the deus ex machina you just you just got to embrace it right because gods you... came down and gave her power yeah. it makes sense to me one does not simply walk into mordor but one simply can apparently walk into Angband because that's what they do. They just kind of like walk through the gates and then they're there in Morgoth's throne room. <laughs> Baron is like still slinking around in, in the wolf disguise and he goes and sits by Morgoth's throne. But then Luthien takes off her disguise and she is not intimidated by Morgoth. And Morgoth, this part's kind of gross. And I really, I wonder if he's thinking about her, what I think he's thinking, but I also don't want to speak it into existence. So maybe we'll just leave it unspoken. It says, then Morgoth, looking upon her beauty, conceived in his thought an evil lust and a design more dark than any that had come yet into his heart since he fled Valinor. Luthien is mean meanwhile is like, I came here to entertain you. And so she <laughs> sings a song. As one does in Tolkien to try and get out of a sticky situation. You know, this very much feels I don't know if you've seen Miss Congeniality too, but there is a moment when yes. uh the two main characters, played by Regina King and Sandra Bullock, have to literally go into a drag club and perform in order to continue the plot of the story. Of course. Same energy. Same energy. Yes. All of the court of Morgoth is cast down in slumber. 
all the fires faded and were quenched. But the Silmarils in the crown on Morgoth's head blazed forth suddenly with a radiance of white flame. Morgoth kind of like falls, you know, like droops forward and the crown falls off his head. Baron jumps up and using that fancy knife that he had stolen from one of the brothers. Angrist, yes. Uses it to cut out a Silmaril. And he closed it in his hand. The radiance welled through his living flesh. And his hand became as a shining lamp. Which if you, if you, the way I was about to say, if you were ever a kid, like we weren't all children. Um, but like when you were a kid, when you would like put a flashlight like through, like yeah, on your hand yeah, yeah. to see like if you could see it through your palm or something, you know. So his hand is just glowing. But the jewel suffered his touch and hurt him not. Which is important because earlier when um, Morgoth gets the Silmarils, it mentions that they yeah. burn anyone who has any kind of like dark or evilness about them, it will burn them and hurt mm-hmm. them. So that means Baron's a good guy. Good to know. As they're doing this, he's like, should I go for another? And then the knife breaks and a part of it goes flying off and hits Morgoth on the face and it kind of wakes him up. And so they're like, okay, got time to go. <laughs> Bye. That, that just feels so much like a a D&D mechanic where the dungeon master doesn't want the whole party to just have a bunch of overpowered items. So they're like, roll to see if your knife breaks. And the knife breaks and it just goes horribly wrong. And like, thank God that happened. Otherwise, you know, Baron would have had all three Silmarils and the sons of uh, Feanor would have been up in arms. Would have been very upset and not happy. I mean, they're already very upset and not happy, but that comes with the territory of being Feanor's son. Son, yeah. (laughs) Um, So they they go running out the front door where Karkaroth has woken up by now. Baron is like very confident in this move. He takes the Silmaril and holds it up in his hand, very similar to what Sam does with the vial of Galadriel Mm -hmm, against mm -hmm. Shelob. That plan worked. For Baron, it does not. (laughs) And so he holds up the Silmaril and he's like, hey, got you now. What are you going to do? Chomp down on your hand is what I'm going to do. eats his hand. Of course, because anything that is, you know, evil and dark that touches the Silmarils um, gets burned, the insides of Karkaroth start burning and he is driven mad and starts just like running through the lands with madness and and destruction. Do you ever eat food so spicy you destroy your entire neighborhood? Hi, I'm Karkaroth. (laughs) And today I'm going to warn you about the dangers of eating eating a Silmaril. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, he he runs on him like, well, there goes, you know, your engagement plan to Luthien is oh, running I off. to use the Silmaril as a ring. Come on, Baron, go get hey, it. Oh, that's go. true. That's true. Um, <laughs> but like, there goes, you know, your proof that you can can have her. Not that a woman can be had, but you know, for the purposes of this world, this this entire chapter can be summed up in. That vine song by Magic Rude. Uh, I'm gonna marry her. It's I'm gonna marry her anyway. Marry that. You remember that song? Yes. From, oh like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Same, same, same thought, right? So this wolf goes running off, um, with a uh, Baron's hand that is holding the Silmaril in his stomach. 
Um, and I can, I'm just picturing like this wolf being mad, you know, rabid, and then it just like runs off. And then you just, you like cut to like Luthien and Baron, and they're like sitting there at the door, like watching him run off in the distance, and it like slowly fades away. And they're just like, well, now what? The ending of Finding Nemo, once again, Tolkien loves these. And meanwhile, everyone behind them is waking up. <laughs> uh oh. They start running even more. And then the eagles. Oh, the you know eagles what? I don't even listen. Listen, I've, I've already written a 97 page fan fiction in the form of a tabletop role playing game about what would have happened if they took the eagles to Mordor. So I am just not even going to comment on the eagles. Just know that my silence. Don, why? Why couldn't they just take? I'm hanging up the right now. To I'm hanging up right now. You can do the rest of the podcast yourself. Oh my gosh. Um, that would be doable because there's only, guys, there's only four more pages. It's okay. <laughs> An hour and 44 minutes later. Um, so the eagles swoop in, save Luthien and Baron, and they start, you know, riding them towards Doriath. And as they're, they're flying over and Luthien notices Gondolin and she's like, that's interesting. And then they get dropped off at Doriath. And they're very concerned that Baron has died because Karkaroth's fangs are, are, poison or, or venomous um and so he is not doing well but huan came to her and together they tended baron yay love that for all yeah. of them and it says thereafter baron was named erka mion which is one-handed and i'm like what if you were named for your injury or your disability I don't think I would like that if I was named Broken Toe or, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Broken Finger. Fair. She who is constantly bumping into furniture. Don back pain. <laughs> it's like, what? Yes. Yeah. I mean, loss yeah. of limbs is a big deal. And uh, Frodo the Nine Fingered is at the end of, yeah. And eventually, once again, they're like, well, I guess we have to go, fa- you know, face the music here. And I'm like, run away. Just go live your lives together somewhere else. Ron Howard interrupts. They didn't. They did not. And so they go into the forest and find Thangol. Doriath, it says, evil days had fallen while Luthien had been gone and everyone was very sad and despairing. And they walk in and it says, in that time, Thangol turned to Melian. But now she withheld her counsel from him, saying that the doom that he had devised must work to its appointed end and that he must wait now upon time. So she I love that, that she's like, you did this. Now you're going to have to see it out. (laughs) Like, I'm not I'm not helping you Mm -mm, out of this one. mm -mm. Also worth mentioning that Karkaroth has made his way to Doriath or the, the borders of Doriath. Um, and that the girdle of Melian is not keeping him out. So everyone is aware of this like crazy mad beast running through the land wild. And now Thangol says, what of your quest and of your vow? And Baron says, it is fulfilled. Even now a Silmaril is in my hand. Mm, gotta love that loophole. And I was like, ah, I see what you did. That's tricky. Um, so Thingle says, show it to me. And Baron put forth his left hand. So he so he is all left now. He's not all right. He's all left. Oh. Um, he put forth his left hand and opened it, but there's no Silmaril there. And then he just holds up his stub. And the fact that Thingle is like, 
oh yes, I understand. Naturally, your hand is holding the Silmaril, which was then eaten by this rabid beast that is running around our Again, forest. try not to think about it too much. Just go with the flow. He just like naturally connects the dots there. And finally, it seemed to Thingol that this man was unlike all other mortal men. I'm not like Yay, other guys. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Don, thank you so much for coming oh. on. Where can we? <laughs> that's that's where it ends. That's that's the best because they run off and they go be happy. And Huan comes with them. And nothing bad ever happens them. to them. And nothing ever. bad ever happens. <sighs> Keep going. Just I know you have to. They're celebrating. I don't. I don't even know if they like technically get married at this point or if it happened. Like how quickly this all happens. But it's one of those we don't need a marriage. We are together. Y'all are dealing with it. Yeah. And now word comes that Karkaroth is is drawing nearer and closer to them. So they prepare for the hunting of the wolf. So they take Huan the Hound, Mablung of the Heavy Hand, Beleg Strongbow, Baron and Thangle. They hunt down Karkaroth and they find him by this waterfall or river or something. And he's also kind of like waiting and watching them. All of a sudden, all of a sudden they're aware that Huan left their side. You may want to just either, you know, pause the podcast for another time here or um, maybe just stop here because... So... (laughs) Huan is like, I'm going to get this son of a... (laughs) And he is hiding behind a tree and he leaps out and they start going at it. Thangle, meanwhile, was almost attacked by Karkaroth, but Baron jumps in in the way and Karkaroth jumps on Baron and, you know, chomps at him. Thangle is, you know, tending to Baron. Huan and Karkaroth are in this fight to the death. And finally... Karkaroth is is killed. <clears throat> Yay. And the end. But also oh it no. ends there. Um he Huan was bit and mortally wounded. Then he came and falling beside Baron, spoke for the third time with words. And he bade Baron farewell before he died. Baron spoke not, but laid his hand upon the head of the hound, and so they parted. Uh- I hate everything. Um, This is the last episode of the (laughs) podcast. Thank you for coming on. Um, And that's what I'm talking about. Look, I hate dead pets stories, but if you're going to go out, saving the humans you care about. That's why it's even more worse because it's such a heartfelt moment where, and it's also such a very realistic moment of like a man and his dog of the dog lying his head on his human's Mm -hmm. chest in his last moments. And they, and Baron doesn't even say anything. Huan used his last chance to speak to say goodbye to baron yeah he was the goodest boy um so then also apparently baron died (laughs) we don't really care about that we just kind of assume i was very confused because i i did not realize i think that that this wound that baron had killed him um until later it's not terribly clear is it so moblong goes over to 
Karkaroff and cuts open his stomach and just takes out. I think the hand had shriveled away, <laughs> but the Silmaril is there and he takes the Silmaril and puts it in Baron's hand and that kind of wakes him up a little bit. Um, And he says, now is the quest achieved in my doom full rot. And he spoke no more. <laughs> so they take Baron back to Menegroth and lay him by Luthien and she's obviously upset. They have a moment together and then he dies. <laughs> Rip. And I was like, are you kidding me? This story that everyone's been hyping up, he like they don't even be together. No, 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 wait, it gets better. Like, it really? gets better. It he gets just better. dies? <laughs> I was like, that's awful. This is an awful story. What are you guys talking about? For the spirit of Baron at her bidding tarried in the halls of Mandos, unwilling to leave the world until Luthien came to say her last farewell upon the dim shores of the outer sea. Luthien then, I guess, yeah, she also, you know, dies of a broken heart the way the elves do. And she gets to the halls of Mandos. She sings for Mandos and it says, um, and she's crying and kneeling before him. And it says that Mandos was moved to pity who never before was so moved nor has been since. Mandos is like, no, don't cry. It's it's okay. Don't cry. I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. Okay. Bye. So he runs off and talks to Manwe because he's like, I don't know what to do about this. <laughs> like I've never had this kind of situation before. Yeah, it's like, she wants to go back. I don't know what the heck to do. Like, do I just, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. And also there's this, Man, yeah. like they're not supposed to be here, I don't think. This wasn't supposed to happen. Tell me what to do. And Manwe has a little chat with Iluvatar. Yeah, nothing like talking to God about your relationship problems. And Iluvatar tells him this thing. And so Manwe gives this deal to Luthien that she might return to Middle-earth and take with her Baron there to dwell again, but without certitude of life or joy. Then she would be mortal and subject to a second death. Or, you know, she could remain immortal and come to Valinor and stay an elf, but Baron would not be with her. So she chooses to bring Baron back to life and that she will become mortal. And they leave together. And it says, yet in her choice, the two kindreds have been joined. Hmm. And that is the story of Baron and Luthien. (sighs) Yay! And who on the hound? And who on the hound? The most important character in the story. Yes. Oh God, what is there to say? I don't know. Uh, like, how do you how do you properly put into words one of Tolkien's? Oh God, sorry, I'm at a loss for words. Just because, like, listening to you explain it, having read it for the first time, I assume in the last few uh, few days or weeks, it's. I read that and I was like, oh my God, Tolkien is the greatest writer of all time. But of course, now looking back, having read. All of his legendarium, obviously I know that Baron and Luthien is special, and there's so much that, that stems from their, their union and their love that you'll find out later, readers will find out later, including, you know, Elrond in a few generations, spoilers, but you know, and then Aragorn and Arwen are actually related, again, spoilers, but you know, if you have We don't, we don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> God, it's just such a, it's just, it, it's so weird for me because when I first read of Baron and Luthien, it stood out to me so much as a a story that did not feel like it belonged with the rest of the story, right? So we were following Feanor, we were following these kings, we were following, you know, the sort of, in the we were following the broad strokes, right? We didn't have a specific character to latch onto and to love, and we didn't really get any inkling that, like, 
get ready because this chapter is, you know, vastly important to the overall plot. But if you took it away, you know, you could have just said something along the lines of, oh, by the way, a couple of spies stole one of the of the Silmarils. It took a lot and it was crazy, but like he could have just glossed over it. I, I appreciate that this is a story that carries um, it carries a lot of meaning for a lot of people. Mm. And that's why throughout reading the Silmarillion, so many people have been like, oh, my God, I love it. Like, I particularly love this story. So even though it might not, you know, carry that same weight for me, I can obviously still be, you know, know, I can still recognize. Yeah, appreciative. And I can still recognize when like, yes, it is a nice story. My favorite part was the dog. (laughs) Yeah, no, of course. Now, let me let me let me not mince words here. Reading the Silmarillion sucks. And I never recommend anyone read it unless they've read pretty much all of the trilogy and The Hobbit and they've gone on a wiki and they've got a list of the family tree, which is not a tree, it's actually a spider web. But this whole chapter is just like the one, for me at least, the one shining light. But like, I can't convince anybody that it is worth it to read the whole whole book just for this chapter i i admire you so much for going through the entire legendarium movies and books included and the animated oh my god god bless you for that one what do you mean those are amazing (laughs) they're amazing acid trips but sure they're treasures yeah uh sure sure Are you looking forward to the rest of the book or has this chapter sort of ruined it for you? Um, It hasn't ruined it for me. It was definitely a much more enjoyable, um, much more easy to read chapter of the Silmarillion. I definitely was- I'm sorry, um, you you mean you didn't like chapter 11 where they just list all of the lands that all of the elven princes and kings rule? That is chapter 14. Excuse me. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you better know your stuff. You know, I'm the obscure chapter Lord of the Chapter 11 Rings is the blah, blah, blah. I only know that chapter specifically because I hate it so much. <laughs> Don, where can people find you on the internet? I am at Don Marshall 72, Don Marshall 72. You can also find me on my TikTok backup account where I shit post like crazy. Don Marshall 70, the letter T. Oh, oh, because I realized that I had a creative outlet for things besides the Lord of the Rings. And it turns out that enough people like it that I can justify having it. What? Crazy, (laughs) right? There's other things than Lord of the Rings? Oddly enough, I do have other interests. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, you can go to WBNE.org. The cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishan Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash TolkienAboutPod. You can follow the podcast on social media at TolkienAboutPod, and you can follow me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod. There is an 11Zs tier that gets you access to bonus content and extra features, such as the unfiltered uncut version of this episode with Don because it was over two hours long. But as I said at the beginning, I don't have time for two-parter episodes anymore. So I uploaded our recordings in full for the 11Zs members to enjoy. Or you can become a sponsor of the podcast like Taylor. Taylor, thank you so much for your support. I always have such great conversations with you. It really means a lot when you give me such meaningful feedback and support and you're just a wonderful person. And I want to make sure you know that. So 
Thank you so much. As always, if you like what you're listening to, please make sure to rate and review. And if you have an extra five minutes on your hands, you can go the extra mile and write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for coming on. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Protest the f*** out of Roe v. Wade's overturning for the rest of your life. Yeah! And that's what I'm talking about. Also, ah, cheers. cheers. <laughs> Welcome to Tipsy Tolkien, everybody. <laughs>